This is Sarah Lemon, author of the Holdish blog and food writer for the Mail Tribune newspaper in Southern Oregon. This podcast is produced in the Mail Tribune and Rosebud Media. Find it online at mailtribune.com forward slash podcast and read my blog, The Whole Dish, at mailtribune.com forward slash lifestyle forward slash the hyphen whole hyphen dish. Muffins have been the topic of my recent food section column and blog posts for the past couple of weeks leading up to Mother's Day. I shared in my column that ran in the Mail Tribune May 4th, memories of my mom preparing blueberry muffins for a special breakfast on the weekends when I was a kid and all the feelings of comfort that those memories conjure. Of course, muffins are another way to prepare something essentially in advance. Slide it into the oven, put your feet up for a few minutes, as I mentioned in my column, and when they're almost ready to come out, you can whip up a pan of scrambled eggs in just a few minutes, and it's much less time invested in weekend breakfast than standing over a griddle, cranking out pancakes or a waffle iron, doing the same thing with eggs and bacon, which always leaves me exhausted, (laughs) quite frankly, before the weekends even started. As I said in my columns, I still do it for my kids every couple of weeks. Muffins, however, are also great in the evenings. And the past month or so, we've been preparing some savory muffins to have with soups and stews. I published a recipe in my column that I just absolutely loved, carrot corn cakes kind of came on the heels of a column I did about carrots and having a surplus of fresh carrots to use up. That's when I went back to this recipe from my files, which called for using one and a half cups grated carrots with a cornmeal type batter. These aren't sweet. These are savory. And that's what makes them go so great with soups and stews. They have a topping of mascarpone cheese, or I actually used goat cheese. Instead, you could even use like regular cream cheese as well, although mascarpone is silkier. For a nice presentation and a nice contrast, richness, that looks like frosting. (laughs) That should be really enticing the kids. But in fact, it's savory and delicious. I'm going to share the recipe for carrot corn cakes in this podcast that was published in my May 4th Mail Tribune column under the headline Muffins from Mom. And I'm also going to share a recipe that I couldn't fit with the column. Typically, I'm able to track down more recipes from my files than will fit in the paper's print edition. So I hold on to these. I consider them an extra little bonus for the podcast. And this particular one is for herbed goat cheese and fig muffins. I posted this to my blog back in October 2011. I'll share that one as well in this podcast. First, the recipe for carrot corn cakes. Again, a really great savory side dish to serve, particularly as the weather is still chilly with your soup and stew suppers. It calls for one cup flour, three quarter cup cornmeal, one teaspoon baking powder, one teaspoon baking soda, one teaspoon salt, two tablespoons sugar, two large eggs, one cup canola oil, a half cup low fat or whole fat milk. Don't use non-fat for this. It just won't hold the crumb together. One and a half cups grated carrots. That's about two medium carrots eight ounces mascarpone cheese at room temperature, 
and two to three teaspoons black sesame seeds or black mustard seeds for garnish. That's kind of optional if you happen to have that. I had nigella seeds in my pantry as well. That's another one you could consider. Maybe even cardamom seeds, which I think are delicious, but they have a much more pungent flavor. They're a little bit larger and crunchier. But that's up to you whether you want that optional garnish. Poppy seeds would be lovely as well. To start carrot corn cakes, preheat the oven to 350 degrees and line a 12 cup muffin tin with paper cupcake liners. In a small bowl, combine the one cup flour, the three quarter cup cornmeal, the one teaspoon each baking soda, baking powder, and salt with the two tablespoons sugar. Mix well. In a large bowl, whisk together the two eggs, crack them in, the one cup canola oil, and the half cup low fat or whole milk. Add the carrots, that one and a half cups grated carrots, it'll be from about two medium carrots, and the dry ingredient mixture to the wet ingredients. That's a typical technique with muffins and stir to mix well. The batter will have an oatmeal-like consistency and you don't wanna over whisk muffin batter, of course. Everything should be just moistened. That keeps the muffins light. Divide the batter evenly among the paper liners, and I would highly recommend paper liners. I've gotten so tired over the years of scrubbing out muffin tins, as I said in my column. It just sapped all my enthusiasm for muffins. Paper liners are a really small concession to the ease of making these. Fill the muffin cups two-thirds full, and then bake in the preheated 350 degree oven for 12 to 15 minutes or until a toothpick inserted in the center of a muffin comes out clean. Transfer the cakes to a wire rack to cool completely. To serve, slather some of the mascarpone cheese or goat cheese or cream cheese on each muffin, then sprinkle with the black sesame seeds or black mustard seeds or poppy seeds. And that makes 12 carrot corn cakes. It will share one little tip about the oven temperature in this podcast. I mentioned it in my column as well. Most muffin recipes call for one consistent temperature throughout 350 degrees in this case. It's a very common. I picked up a tip more than a year or so ago from a Chicago Tribune food writer who starts her muffins at 400 degrees for about 10 minutes. That coaxes them to rise higher, and they really do. I was wondering why my muffins were coming out kind of so short and stumpy. In fact, the oil in the batter also helps them rise higher. Butter tends to weigh down muffin batter, and I haven't been a fan of using a lot of refined oils. I kind of finally came around researching this column, but I found that this trick with the oven temperature, 400 degrees for 10 minutes, then reduce the temperature to 350 for the remaining baking time, which is usually 10 to 15 minutes, really does produce a taller muffin. That's courtesy of Chicago Tribune writer Robin Mather. So give that one a try. You'll kind of adapt a lot of your standard muffin recipes if you're doing that because yes, they do typically call for a much lower constant temperature. Now for the herbed goat cheese and fig muffins. And this is from my blogs in 2011, posted in October. Those posts are no longer available in what I referenced as my blog archives. 
the Mail Tribune was maintaining that site, even though it was no longer active. It just remained searchable for approximately the past three years. That site, though, was discontinued. So that means I can no longer give the instructions for going back and finding the recipe in printed form on that old site. You just have to tune into the podcast and get the ingredients and the instructions right here. For herbed goat cheese and fig muffins, you'll need two and a quarter cups all-purpose flour, two and a half teaspoons baking powder, one teaspoon baking soda, one teaspoon salt, three tablespoons fresh thyme that's been chopped, three tablespoons fresh oregano that's been chopped, two eggs, six tablespoons butter melted, three quarter cup whole milk, a half cup sour cream, eight ounces soft goat cheese, a half cup grated firm goat cheese, such as Londana, is one type. You could also use a sharp cheddar here. There's lots of hard goat cheeses, though, on the market, though. They're not all soft like Chevre. You can find a hard goat cheese for this if you want to go that route. Three quarter cup chopped dried figs are the final ingredient. Heat the oven to 350 degrees Fahrenheit and line a 12 cup muffin tin with paper liners or coat with cooking spray if you dare. (laughs) In a medium bowl, whisk together the two and a quarter cups all-purpose flour, the two and a half teaspoons baking powder, the one teaspoon baking soda, and the one teaspoon salt. In another medium bowl, whisk together the herbs. Of course, you're looking for the leaves only from fresh thyme and fresh oregano. You can measure those out in your tablespoon measure and then chop them. Three tablespoons each chopped would be a very, very pungent herb flavor. So measure in the whole leaves, strip them from the stem, and then chop them. You'll also need to measure in the two eggs, the six tablespoons melted butter, the three quarter cup whole milk, and the half cup sour cream. Crumble the soft goat cheese, about eight ounces, into the egg mixture, and then stir in the half cup grated firm goat cheese or a sharp cheddar cheese, along with the three quarter cup chopped dried figs. Add the flour mixture and gently fold that together until it's just incorporated. As I mentioned in the previous recipe, lumpy is totally fine for muffins. Divide the batter among the prepared muffin tins, and these will be pretty full, and then bake in the preheated oven for 20 to 25 minutes. This recipe calls for 350 degrees. You can try that method of starting them at 400 degrees for 10 minutes to really spur them to rise, then reduce the oven temperature to 350 for the remaining 10 to 15 minutes, or until they're golden and the center springs back when lightly pressed. Remove the muffins from the pan and cool, and that makes 12 herbed goat cheese and fig muffins from my blog in 2011, October 2011. And you can find another recipe for savory muffins on my current posts at mailtribune.com forward slash lifestyle forward slash the hyphen whole hyphen dish. Look for jalapeno canned corn muffins posted May 9th under the headline mix savory muffins in many combinations and find more seasonal recipes and family favorite dishes on my blog, the whole dish at mailtribune.com forward slash lifestyle forward slash the hyphen whole hyphen dish. 
Thanks for listening to and reading The Whole Dish.